You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents Network of Podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and with me today is Stephanie Dre, a best-selling and award-nominated author of historical women's fiction, and Laura Kamoy, who holds a Ph.D. in early American history and held the position of Associate Professor of History at the U.S. Naval Academy. Laura is a best-selling novelist under the pen name Laura Kay. They have together written the novel America's First Daughter, publishing in March from William Morrow. Welcome, Stephanie and Laura. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, tell us a bit about Thomas Jefferson's letter-writing habit and how that led you to this book. (laughs) Well, Thomas Jefferson wrote over 17,000 letters that we have digitized. The Library of Congress has made them available on founders.org. Every single letter is digitized and on a website. Well, they are not all digitized, and in fact, they haven't all survived, and that is sort of what, what led us to the book, and I'll let Laura address that. Yes, so a lot of the personal letters have not survived, and it's clear that there was a a process by which his daughter, Patsy, and her son, Jeff, went through the letters and decided which ones would and would not survive. And that was one of the most interesting things about this project was exploring what pieces of his past they allowed to come forward to us. Uh, And it became a major theme in the book. It is such a fun book because it's a novel, but I trust so implicitly all the work that you've done to be sure that it's historically accurate. And it's a a nice, big, hefty novel. And you get all the way through it, and you're loving it. And then you have a very detailed author's note at the back that sort of goes into what a little bit of what you've just said, which is it's quite apparent that at a certain point, Jefferson's daughter did sit down. I'm not giving it any away because it's an early scene in the book after his death. And (laughs) and she literally has to decide what she's going to keep and what she's going to burn. But there was so much that was kept that you can follow her life and then see all of the American founders through her life and and her Mm -hmm. eyes. Now, were you ever worried about trying to write something so true to historical facts, but knowing you were writing fiction and knowing that you really wanted to write that nice juicy story, which it seems like real life fed you a lot of the stuff, but were you ever worried that folks would see it and say, oh, you know, you got this part wrong or that part wrong? Well, this was actually an interesting question for me as someone who had been an historian for many, many years. And I think that there's a difference, first of all, between historical fiction and, and history. Every historical fiction author makes some Uh, strategic choices about the artistic license that you might take and we were very very careful and thoughtful about those choices and we've we've talked about them in our author's notes so that readers know but the amazing thing about this story for us was how many things are true that seem like they're just too fantastic to be true Um, the story in so many ways wrote itself because this woman 
did the most amazing things and knew the most interesting people. And, you know, I've often joked that she's like the Forrest Gump of the she's 18th century like, world. Yeah, she's she's like everywhere Stanley. cool things she really happen. Is. She meets all these people. She knows eight of the nine first U.S. presidents. Um, so there was a lot of stuff we didn't have to make up yes. in order to get these amazing details and these amazing emotional moments in the story. Like I said, it was so satisfying to read this big, long, great novel and get to that very succinct and yet I think very powerful author's note mm-hmm. where, you, where you sort of go into this a little bit mm-hmm. and, you, and you help put what we've just read into clear perspective in a way that is very modest and I, I could tell was, was very much in service of history. And I thought that was really, really cool. I mean, it was a great read, but it, I, I really <laughs> liked that when I got to the end and I heard your voice sort of coming through about yeah. the process. So now tell me a little bit about the process. I've read you visited Monticello together for the first time. Was that both of yours first time there or no? no? Okay. No. Okay, but you went together we with did. all of this in mind now because mm-hmm. I I think you said that you know in, in fiction it's so important to make sure that you can get into the head of your character and to be able to walk that walk and I you said one of you said something interesting where you said you needed to be there to see how long it took sound to travel which I thought was a really interesting detail that you were absorbing. Mm-hmm. And you did discover something that clearly had a very strong impact on you, and it, ha- it related to the cemetery. So tell that story. I'll let Laura tell it because she was the one who <laughs> discovered it. I-, I was a little less astute to catch the detail at first. Yeah, so we, we did a, a couple of day trip down to some Virginia sites, and Monticello was, of course, our key site to visit. Mm-hmm. And so many things stood out to us as significant from that visit because we had already drafted the book. Okay. We were so familiar mm-hmm. at that point with the characters and the history. And, you know, we had placed scenes in the house and now we could actually see how they would choreograph out in the yeah. actual space. But when we went down to the to the Jefferson Cemetery, there's a big iron gate around the cemetery and we were standing at the gate looking in at Jefferson's obelisk monument and there are a number of burials right around it. And then I happen to notice that there is a, a bronze plaque that's a map of these burials. Since you can't go in, it lists who's in which one. And all of a sudden, I noticed something that was so symbolic. remarkable and She's symbolic. putting down her cup of water because she's so excited. I need both hands to gesture. Um, that the obelisk is Thomas Jefferson. Patsy is at the far side, and at the foot of the monument is Thomas Mann Randolph, who is her husband. So Jefferson is buried between them. Yep. And it's so symbolic of what their relationship as husband and wife was, and certainly the way that Thomas viewed their relationship, how Jefferson was always in the middle, how she was always more devoted to him. The, the, these were accusations that that he made that when we saw that, I think we scared we, people around we us. We shrieked. <laughs> we, we totally freaked out. We And it was one of many times that we freaked out during that visit. But, yeah, we were just totally blown away to see sort of this physical... Yeah. This lasting... Lasting <laughs> representation of the relationship between these three people. Well, it's an, an eternal monument not only to their lives, but to the fact that she was a daughter first. She was Thomas Jefferson's daughter first, foremost, and always. And hereafter. Yes. Yeah. But the, you know, to speak more to the process, I think that our joint reaction to those moments when we were there <laughs> is also symbolic of how 
synced we always were on this project from the beginning. Initially, we started each by writing one chapter. She would write chapter one, I wrote chapter two. She would write chapter three, I would write chapter four. And we would, But we would write on the same day and we would have our Google chat video chat open oh. so that we could talk to each other in real time as we were writing. And then we would switch the chapters and we would each go through and add our own material to it so that hopefully it was a seamless voice and did not seem as if it had been written by two authors. And we were just so really surprised and pleased at how uh, we had a very similar voice mm -hmm. on this. And mm -hmm. our take on things was always very similar. Mm -hmm. The number of disagreements we had over the course of this novel, we could probably count on one hand. Mm -hmm. yeah. We just had a very shared vision, which mm -hmm. made it really a unique and quite special writing process yeah. because it can be difficult to, to co-author something, but mm -hmm. we just gelled the whole way through. Mm -hmm. Sounds it. And neither of you had worked with a partner before, correct? Or no, had just, yeah. no, it's unusual not. Yeah, because it's usually pretty hard to pull off. So now, so you've talked a little bit about the process mm -hmm. where you traded things back and forth and you had very few disagreements and did that carry over to things like the title and the cover and were you simpatico sort of basically all the way through yeah that's it great. was very yeah. very I mean it was wonderful and magical and unexpected I think we probably were both braced occasionally for okay we're gonna have to battle and then we would find out that really there wasn't going to be a battle and even if we did disagree on something and this happened a number of times in the book where we would both come at some issue from a different perspective and we would debate it for maybe two minutes and then come up with a third solution that was so much better than what either of us had in mind. Right. And that's really special and magical. Yeah. Yeah, there's a particular scene uh, in Paris where that was, <laughs> was the case that, uh, you know, I had one point of view and Stephanie had another and what what ended up coming out of that discussion was so much better than what either of us had right. initially and and we you know we both were very excited about that process and yeah i mean and, and it was funny because since we are really good friends you know we were always wanting to be very respectful and you know careful of the other person's opinion for example, we got three covers. Yeah, because I, I was see. wondering yeah. about the cover because it's so, hard enough to please one author. So go we ahead. had given lots of input about what we would like to see on the cover, and then we got three versions of it. And you know, Stephanie was like, "Well, what do you think?" And I was like, "Well, I said, you know, this is my opinion of number one and two, but but I think I really like number three best." And then she'd be like, "Oh, thank God, that's the one I like." <laughs> <Yes. doing." laughs> we were thinking the same thing. So, oh, <laughs> thank God they agreed. That's so much easier. <laughs> So there were lots of moments like that where one of us would try to be really respectful and then, you know, end up having the opinion oh, that the other goodness. one also shares. <laughs> so what do you think? Are you going to do it again? We, we are. are. Oh, my goodness. Really? We totally are. We have, we have, we have sold a new book project. We're going to oh, be working with, uh, with our same team here mm -hmm. at William Morrow. And what's the subject? The book is called My Dear Hamilton, and it's on Eliza Schuyler Hamilton, Ham Alexander Hamilton's wife. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be our follow-up, and it's going to appeal to all the same readers for, yeah. uh, you know, America's First Daughter. And we've actually got lots of really interesting ideas about this book. We can't and, wait to Yeah, so you're, you're sort of in the research plotting yes, stage. we are. That's right. We I, think we've sort of tackled um, a sort of founding mother of the South in Patsy, 
And we believe that Eliza Hamilton is sort of a secret founding mother of the North. So mm. we're very excited to give both perspectives on the revolution. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Yes. This was so it was so good. <laughs> thank you both so much, and thank you for taking the time. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.